All right. Wasn't quite sure what was going to come out when I opened my mouth, if you would hear me or not, and so uh, my heart is filled with thankfulness. But um, anyway, we'll uh, make do this morning. Appreciate you all being here, and um, it's been kind of a long week. Lost my voice on Wednesday, and so I've been skipping some events along the way to not talk as much. And um, after this, it'll probably be gone again, but that's okay. Um, Philippians 1 this morning, we're continuing our study in Philippians and uh, looking forward to going through that. The title of the message is Picking Teams, and uh, you probably remember those days on the playground, and two people were team leaders, and they were selecting who they want on each side and um, how that would work. So this is actually a little bit different. This is kind of the other perspective. You look at where the teams are and you select which one you want, right? I want that guy or I want to be on this team. So Philippians 1, we're going to begin reading together in verse 12. So if you follow along with me, Philippians 1, verse 12, But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached? And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. The Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the word of God. Father, we ask that this morning our hearts would be prepared to receive your word, to recognize it as truth, and to apply it to life. Father, we count a privilege to have clear teaching and understanding of the issues we face from day to day that you've not left us without answers to life's questions, but rather, Lord, by the power of your word, you have instructed us. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths in the proper way, that we would, Father, not cause unnecessary division. Uh, Father, that we would know when to rejoice, that we would know when, uh, Lord, to look out upon what we're seeing and grieve. Just give us an abundance of wisdom, Lord to know what you would have us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we uh, look together at um, the, the way, really, and we, we covered some of the first verses last week, but we look together at, at this concept of, of the gospel going forth, and it went forth in spite of the fact that Paul's in jail, right? He's been arrested, and uh, kind of like a house arrest here. And uh, we, we see that term, you know, in my bonds. We see that over and over again mentioned here. And yet, in spite of that, the gospel keeps advancing, keeps going forth. And it's not without challenges, right? There, there is trouble along the way. And um, we, we looked at the beginning right here in verse 12 that Paul wanted them to understand that the, the gospel is uh, continuing to go on. It is advancing. It's not stopping. And, and so... Uh, the things that happened to him, him being arrested, him being in prison, um, that's not preventing the gospel from going out. 
And, and even Paul himself is able to continue being a witness in spite of being locked up in this house arrest. Um, so much so that, as verse 13 says, he's in bonds, but it's being manifest in the palace and in other places. And we, we talked about that term palace, but having, having the idea of actually the, the uh, guards of the emperor who are watching Paul, who are chained up with him, um, they are hearing the gospel. And so with that, the, the gospel is advancing inside Caesar's household. It, it's continuing. People are getting saved. Guards are getting saved. And it's happening in spite of the bonds that Paul is in, that he's in change. Acts, Acts 28, 20 describes it this way. For this cause, therefore, have I called you to see you, to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Right? He, he's describing this time when he is bound up with this chain. He's been arrested. Why? For the, the sake of God's people, uh, that the gospel message will go forth. Ephesians 6, verse 20 describes it also, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, an ambassador in chains. I'm locked up, and yet I'm still representing Christ, and so I speak boldly as I ought to speak. So, so all of that is taking place, and, and as, it, as it happens, he describes who he's reaching here, right? Those in the palace, it's those in all the palace and in all other places, and in particular, uh, that palace there has to do with the particular guards who are being bound to Paul, who are in his chains, and they're hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, and then they're, they're uh, going out and sharing the gospel, so much so that at the end of the letter, he can, he can say to those in Philippi, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. You know, C Caesar thinks that he's God, he thinks that he's in charge of all, and uh, he wants people to worship him. And so he locked me up, and it's preventing me from sharing the gospel in all these various places. But it's not preventing Paul from sharing the gospel with those he's locked up and chained up to. And they're hearing the gospel, and they're getting saved. And Caesar, guess what? You're not God. And now your soldiers know the true God. And so that's, that's what's still going on. As, as he continues to be an ambassador, an ambassador who's locked up. All right, so not only was the gospel advancing inside Caesar's household, it's also advancing outside Caesar's household. And with that, we, we saw last week and discussed how other people are emboldened by the fact that, the, that Paul is locked up and, and just the limitations of what Caesar can do to him. And the fact that probably, perhaps, even that though he's locked up, that the gospel is still being shared among those in Caesar's household. Verse 14, right? Many of the brethren in the Lord... Waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so uh, those who, who know what's taking place are, are just emboldened. In fact, there are uh, two, two different ways that we, we see this described here. But let's, let's look first at who's, who's this is talking about, right? Many of the brethren, so brothers and sisters there, right? We're talking about believers. And, and this would have been the, the believers in Rome, right? There were, there were already churches in Rome. There were house churches. We know that. Why? Because the Epistle of Romans. Uh, Paul already had written that letter at this point, and so he wrote to those in, in Rome uh, previously. And so there's this boldness among these believers, these brethren, these brothers and sisters who were in Rome. And if you think about it, uh, you know, with what's going on with Paul, I mean, certainly he's excited about this, right? He's rejoicing about this, but he'd probably be rather 
being free to go around and share the gospel himself, right? I, I, most people aren't too happy about being locked up. Um, but, but the fact is that God has used his imprisonment for his glory. And he is understanding the fact that the gospel itself is bigger than even his personal role in evangelizing others and sharing the gospel with others. That God's at work. It's, it's bigger than him. This is more important than him. And um, this, this um, Christian community here um, who are in Rome are, are now going forth boldly and sharing the gospel with others where it, it seems that there's a change, right? Before there was a limitation. And you, you think about, you think about what's, what's going on at this time. Um, it, it's, a, it's a difficult time in terms of persecution. Christians are being persecuted in Rome uh, by this point. The emperor uh, at this time is, is Nero. And so he, he is the one who's, who's on the throne. Um, this um, verse 14 here that, that we looked at, right, reminds us of, of that boldness that's going on. But with that, I, I want to just show you, this is Nero. This is a bust of Nero um, that has been recovered. This is what his statue looked like. I mean, I, I guess he's handsome enough, you know, I don't know. Uh, that I'm sure the artist had to take a little bit of license with it, right? You know, I mean, you, you can't make them look worse, or you're in trouble. So, uh, you, you know, that's, uh, that's Nero. And um, during this time, um, it, it, it was not too long after this, when, uh, when Rome would have the Great Fire, right? The Great Fire. Now, there, there was some debate in that day about what happened with the fire and how it was caused, um, but... Nero's popularity was on the decline in Rome, and uh, it had been on the decline, and he had an idea of what he wanted Rome to look like, and, and we know that part is true. He, he wanted certain things to be built a certain way. There was a bit of a problem, though. Uh, there was stuff already in those locations, right, where he wanted it, and so a fire broke out, right? It broke out in Rome, and... Um, it, 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 it destroyed a huge part of the city. It, it was a major destruction. And there were all kinds of, of reasons that, you know, were, were going around. There were rumors happening, you know, what caused the fire. Um, but the one that most people recognized it and said at that time, they started to say was, uh, Nero started this fire because he wants to build his buildings. And, and they looked at things like, you know, it's amazing. They said that this is just some random fire, but all of it's in different locations that weren't joined together, that all simultaneously occurred in different spots throughout the city, and, you know, all, all of these other things. Now, you know, I'm sure there were excuses, well, as the embers or something, <laughs> you know, but, but, but that was what was going on. And, and so politically, there was more and more, of, uh, more pressure being put on Nero at this time, and so uh, Nero came up with a solution. It was the Christians who did it, right? The Christians are the ones who have displaced you from your homes. The Christians are the ones. And so they, they kind of became the, the, the scapegoat, you know, so to speak. And, and so his, his desire um, was to hide the fact that he was involved in the fire, right? He didn't want anybody to know that. Um, but, but also... Um, you know, he, he wanted to, to express to the people who lost their homes, hey, there, there, there is something, you know, we, we want to do for you. We want to we help you out. 
And, and so um, one of the things that they, they did was um, they, would, they would offer some support and help um, to, to these folks who lost their homes to, to try to help them out. Um, the other thing that, that they did was um, he, he wanted to actually punish the people who were responsible in front of those who lost their houses. And so um, the, the historian uh, Tacitus writes it this way. This is a quote from him. Nero substituted as culprits and punished with the ult utmost refinements of cruelty a class of men loathed for their vices whom the crowd styled Christians. Vast numbers were convicted, not so much on the, the court of arson as for hatred of the human race. And derision accompanied their end. They were covered with wild beast skins and torn to death by dogs. Or they were fastened on crosses and when daylight failed, they were burned to serve as lamps by night. I mean, just, just horrendous uh, accounts. Some were placed in, in um, locations where they would watch the spectacle, right? The crowd would gather and uh, you lost your house, come get a free ticket. Watch what happens to these Christians who, you know, who, who did this. Now, Romans themselves at the time were, were calling this out. I mean, some of them recognized, no, 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 this was really Nero, right? You know, and, and some of them were recognizing the, the brutality that you are imparting on these Christians, this isn't right in any sense, right? Some, some Romans were, were recognizing that. Um, but, but even these, these references, right, people were, were talking about Christians as the, these foreigners, these deadly forces. They were, um, they were actually called a wretched cult by uh, Pliny the Younger. And, and so they, they became absolutely hated in Rome at that time. Um, there were different things that were said about Christians. Oh, they, uh, they drink blood, right? What's that in reference to communion, right? They, they drink blood. They're, they're cannibals. They eat flesh, right? the bread, the broken bread, uh, communion. And, and so all of these things were, were mentioned. Oh, they have these ceremonies that only Christians are allowed at. Well, only believers can partake in communion, right? You, you understand that it, it, was, it was all of these things that were, were brought up as excuses. And so throughout that process, um, the 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 Christians there were, were seeing increasing and increasing persecution in that day. The, the boldness, right, the, the boldness of these Christians allowed them then to then fearlessly speak forth the word, as verse 14 puts it there. They start declaring the word and doing so more and more fearlessly. Um, it, it seems that perhaps knowing the tension and the, the way that things were in the city, uh, they were kind of a little more of an underground movement perhaps, Right? There, was, there, were, there was evangelism going on, but it was not so bold. It was not so fearless. And then Paul's imprisoned, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're out directly saying, I'm a believer. Do you, you, know, do you, do you want to trust Christ as your Savior? You know, the, these communications are now uh, taking place out in the open, and, and more are understanding what's going on. All right, so that is kind of the... the um, this, this description here of, of the ongoing advancement of the gospel. And, and so the, the question that comes up are, are, you know, what are the ways that this gospel actually advanced? How did this take place? We, we see here the description of it, but um, how did that take place? We're going to look at four ways together. First starts up in verse 15 here. 
and it has to do with those who are sharing the gospel, the people who are, are sharing the gospel themselves. Who are these brothers and sisters? And the fact is that their relationship to Paul differed. Uh, they, they weren't all having the same relationship. Verse 15 puts it this way, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Now, I would say perhaps that's a bit of a surprising verse. <laughs> you know, we, we just got through all the excitement and the joy of, hey, the gospel is going out. They're speaking boldly. They, they, are, they are declaring the message fearlessly. Isn't this wonderful? And some are preaching it out of envy and strife. <laughs> and some are doing it out of goodwill. And, and so it, it certainly seems a little bit of a shocking uh, statement to come on. Um, because up to this point, we really haven't had any, um, any indication that there are these divisions or tensions going on within the church at Rome. We, we haven't seen this. But previously, the tension described is obviously with Paul and, and those who've arrested him, right? That's where the tension is between, between the, uh, the, the believers, the Christians, and the unbelieving world. And now we've got a fight within the brothers and sisters, right? Within the church. And different ones had a different relationship with Paul. Some liked him. Some didn't like him so much. Now, they're, they're all described here previously as, as being those who are sharing the gospel. Right? They're going out and declaring the word. Perhaps more surprising is the fact that as Paul goes on and describes this, that he puts those who are preaching out of envy and strife and those who are preaching out of goodwill all under that main heading that we already described of, of those who are fearlessly declaring the gospel, uh, under the get joyful and excited about this. Perhaps that is the part. Now, so two groups here, those who are preaching out of envy and rivalry, envy and strife, and, and the second group, those who are preaching out of goodwill. And, and so, so both are described there. Now, who... Remember, these are brothers and sisters in Christ, but they are preaching out of envy and strife. And how bad is envy and strife? Well... You know, you think of, of look, verses like Galatians 5.20, uh, you know, description here of, a, of, of the, the um, works of the flesh, these, these terrible things, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, right, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, and it goes on at the end, right, which, which so such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty serious. Okay, so these are envy and strife, and it's described as, as folks who are doing these things won't inherit the, the kingdom of God. Uh, Romans 1.29, uh, again, list of wickedness. Once again, we, we see envy appearing there um, in this list as well. So, so in the midst of, of the things of, of those who won't inherit the kingdom of God, and this is a terrible, you know, terrible example and terrible things to have going on, Paul doesn't limit it just to uh, believers, but in 1 Timothy 6.14, gives reference to those who were pastors and, and said he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. And, and so once again, this is used here of, of these pastors who are, are doing things that they shouldn't. So that reference there is, is false teachers, right? That, that's actually who that is. They are false teachers, who are claiming the name of, of elder, right? They're, they're claiming the name of pastor. And, and so he, he's calling them out. So we, we've got envy, we've got jealousy, 
uh, folks who are jealous of Paul and they're preaching the gospel. We, we've got envy, those who, who perhaps are, are looking at his imprisonment and say, wow, look at that. Finally, he got what's due him, right? You know, he, he got arrested. And, um, you know, well, I guess God judged him. Right? I, guess, I, guess, I guess it's clear who the real apostles are, you know, or this type of thing. Um, you know, questions come up, where, where would that even come from? Well, we'll look at that a little more, okay? So, so that's the, the first group, the, the group of envy and strife. The second group, those of goodwill. Who would be the ones of goodwill? Well, there's a group of believers there, and Paul gre greeted them back in the letter to Romans that he wrote um, a number of years before this, um, probably about three, four years, something to that effect. But Romans 16, he has a list of, of those who should be greeted, and I, I cut it just to be short here, but Priscilla, Aquila, helpers in Christ, um, who have for my life laid down their own necks. They were willing to go the distance for Paul. Um, greet the church that's in their house, salute, uh, and, and it goes on, right? And this list just continues and continues. I, I've cut it short here uh, just for time. But, but there are those who are in, in the midst of this who are sharing the gospel now that, that Paul has been in prison, and they're doing so uh, openly, boldly, and they're doing it out of goodwill, and, and they, they love him and care for him. So, so with these two groups, uh, we could put it this way, um, the... Uh, the, the motives for preaching is different between the two groups. The, the motives behind their preaching is, is different. And um, we're going to look here in uh, verses 16 and 17. Now, now pay attention here as I read this because uh, depending on your Bible version, they've reversed the order. So uh, some versions have 16 and then 17. Some have 17 and then 16. Um, that the basically are the same things, the manuscript difference, that's where it comes from. But um, verse 16, right? The, the one preached Christ out of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Uh, verse 17, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And um, so, so that description there, right? The order there uh, may be changed. Um, but, but again, two groups, right? And their motivation behind the two groups are described for us. Uh, the, first, uh, the first one here in 16, they do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, or perhaps 17 in your version. In 18, right, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. So that is their motivation um, in these two groups. So, boy... I just want to bring us back and remind us, we're talking about brothers and sisters here. We're, we're talking about groups who are sharing the gospel, and Paul is rejoicing about it. And, and he's glad that they're doing it. And yet this is the description of their motivations. Right? What, one group, their motivation is, is love. They know that Paul has been put in prison and he's been put there according to God's will and plan for him. They understand that. They, they know that this great evangelist Paul is locked up. And so out of love for him, what are we going to do? We're going to share the gospel. We're going to get more active in evangelism. We're going to make sure that we do our part as, as fellow believers in Christ. 
And so Paul being in prison just, just presses them on as a desire to have a greater defense of the gospel, to have a declaration of who God is and what he's doing. And at the same time, we have the second group, right? The other motivations there. And, and for them, this proclamation of, of Christ is about their uh, selfish ambition, right? You see it right here on the screen, their selfish ambition. They, they have, have seen, okay, look, Paul's in prison. This is our opportunity. We can have greater influence. We can use this to, to, to build our group. Our house churches are going to get bigger than their house churches. Right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the idea here. And, and not only that, the, the things that we believe, they're going to be lifted up over and, and above the, the teaching that, that he's, he's declared. Now, the question comes up, what in the world are the differences between these two groups? Why are they, why, why are they so different? Well, we, we don't really know, right? We're not instructed in this letter. Perhaps we can guess a little bit. Uh, because there are some limitations in terms of what we understand here. But, but one of the things is that we do have the letter of Romans, right? We have the epistle of Romans. We have what Paul wrote before to this church in Rome. And, and in there, he describes that, that there are internal struggles going on between these churches, and he gives certain instructions about it. Now, one of the issues had to do with the... Um, how the Jews and the, the Gentiles got along in the church. Right? That was one, one of the big issues in the early church that, that happened over and over again. Right? And so we, we, we'd see even the disciples themselves debating about whether they agreed with Peter or Paul on, on, on topics and issues. And so um, that would be an, an example. And one of the instructions that Paul had to give within there um, was for, for, um, for the, the, the Jewish Christians to not force Gentile Christians to follow all of the Jewish law. His instruction to the Gentile Christians was, hey, and you guys, don't, don't flaunt your freedom, so to speak, right? And, and say, ah, da, 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 da. you know, I mean, don't, don't do that. Don't act like that to the, other, the, to the Jewish believers who, who by their own conviction, are, are still keeping aspects of the law um, for, for the sake of their conscience. Now, with, with that, perhaps as Paul is arriving back in Rome, he, he's finding out that the letter he wrote wasn't really followed very well. Perhaps there still is this division going on. We don't know for sure, right? We, we don't know for sure, but, but that could be an example of, of the type of issue that's going on. And, and so, so he, he, he may be uh, describing to them the need uh, within this group of, 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 okay, they're both believers, they're disagreeing on important issues, but they're both still sharing the gospel, right? They're both still sharing the true gospel. And, and so he, he perhaps sees that distinction, right? Perhaps that's what he sees going on. Now, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 6 says, um, but, but of, of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepted no man's person, for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, verse 7, but contrarywise, which they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for that, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was, was mightily in me toward the Gentiles, 
And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave unto me Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, that we should go into, uh, unto the heathen, and that they, they unto the circumcision, only they would what we should remember the poor, the same which I uh, was forward to do. All right, so description here of, of a, of a uh, difference going on among uh, the disciples themselves. As Paul is saying, hey, I, I'm called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I need to go out and do this. And at first they, whoa, hang on, <laughs> to the Gentiles? <laughs> and, and, and so they, they start learning and they, they understand it. And, and Paul says, well, hey, I'm, uh, Peter says, I'm, I'm going out to reach the Jews. And they say, well, that's okay, right? Peter, you go out and reach the Jews if that's where your heart is. Paul, you go out and reach the Gentiles if that's where your heart is. And, and both of you, don't forget the poor when you're growing on the way. Right? I mean, that, that was kind of the instruction uh, between these two groups. And, and so with that, right, we, we see that, okay, you, you can have a different perspective on this. You can have a different approach in, in how it's going, going out. But, and maybe even you have wrong motives as these two groups have. Right? Some are doing it out of selfishness. And yet, in spite of it, Paul's saying, if the gospel is being preached, I'm going to rejoice in that. Now, now let me ask you this. Do you think Paul is rejoicing that some people are demonstrating envy and strife in their hearts? No, right? Clearly not. But he is rejoicing that in spite of their sinfulness, the gospel is going out. He, he is rejoicing that in spite of their sinfulness, the gospel is going out. Some are preaching the gospel out of wrong motives. Some are preaching the gospel out of love, directed by knowledge. Now, in addition to their motivations, the, the manner of their preaching differed. Uh, verse 18 describes that for us here. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in presence or in truth, Christ is preached. And, and so... The description here is that, what are they doing? Well, every way that Christ is preached, right? And whether that is a wrong motivation, if that's a different method, whatever it is, every way that Christ is preached, then he's rejoicing, right? Therein I rejoice. Now, he's not rejoicing that they have envy and strife, right? He's not rejoicing over that. But he is rejoicing that the gospel is still going out. Now, this is instructive, I think, for believers today, um, because sometimes today there are, are differences that are based on preferences um, that people lift up to, to a, a high level. Um, I'll give you just a couple examples, right? Some people uh, believe that expository sermon preaching is the best way, and in particular, some people believe that a verse-by-verse method is the best way. I happen to agree with them. But, but some people believe that, right, and they hold that up. Some people hold up that a topical sermon method is, is more appropriate or, or believe that that should be the, the standard sermon on a weekly basis, right? Now, we may disagree, right? But you can preach a biblical topical sermon and you can preach a biblical expository verse-by-verse -verse method 
And while I may have a preference, if the word of God is going out, I rejoice. Right? Rejoice. Now, other, other divisions, right, happen. Music. Bible versions. You, you go down the list, right? There are plenty of areas that people will, uh, will hold a difference of opinion on. You baptize babies. Now, hey, I, I think that there are biblical answers to some of these questions, right? I, I think there are biblical answers to this. But I'm gonna, am I going to rejoice when the Presbyterian who baptizes babies preaches the clear gospel message? Yes, I'm going to rejoice. I am going to rejoice. And I'm not a Presbyterian. We're not going to hang out for a baptism service, right? We're not going to hang out for a baptism service. But I'm going to rejoice when they preach the word of God and when they preach the true gospel message. And I think Paul gives us a pretty clear instruction here because, I mean, not only is he describing somebody who differs in practice, but in addition to that, even worse than that, they're doing it with the wrong motives, Right? They're, they're, they're not doing this just simply because it's their sincerely held belief. They're doing it now because of envy and strife. They, they are doing this because they don't like Paul. They're doing this because they want to enlarge their flock, so to speak. And Paul says, yeah, that's okay if, if, and this is the last part here, if in doing that, the content of their preaching was identical, the gospel itself. In other words, what they're preaching actually is the word of God, right? The, what, what they're declaring about who Jesus is and what they're declaring about salvation is the same, even if their methods are wrong. Now, I want to read this quote to you. I kind of skipped over this, but Gordon Fee, he, he said the following. He sees everything in light of the bigger picture, and in that bigger picture, fully emblazoned on our screen at Calvary, there is nothing that does not fit, even if it means suffering and death on the way to resurrection. And, and let me put this in a little bit of context. What he's describing here is, is that as Paul is, is hearing the gospel message going forth, he, he is saying, okay, maybe they got this wrong. Maybe their motive isn't right. But here's the big picture. The big picture is that God is working in this world to go forth and declare the message of Christ at Calvary. And, and if that message is going forth, then the details and the smaller things, although they matter, we can still rejoice that the gospel message itself is advancing. I don't know uh, how to describe it, but let's, um, let's maybe, uh, maybe put it in this way, right? Uh, maybe, maybe you think you're on a, you, maybe you're up on an airplane, right? And, and you're up on an airplane and you're taking off and you're going from um, Norfolk over here and you got to fly out to Los Angeles. Okay. And, and everybody on the plane agrees, hey, we need to go from Norfolk to Los Angeles. Okay. Now, 
Some people on the plane are going to scream out and say, yeah, but we ought to fly up to the north a little bit. That would be better. You know, I'd love to fly over some of these northern states, maybe see a little bit of snow out the window on the way. That would be really cool. And, and then, then some others are saying, no, I don't want to fly north. It's cold up there. Let's, let's go down south. And along the way, we can, we can stop by, we can look out the window and see the Grand Canyon, and we can see all these other things. And so, so what happens is both groups storm the cockpit. They're both fighting over the controls, and right, you know, one's in the pilot seat and one's in the co-pilot seat. And, and the, the plane kind of makes its way across the country, up, zigzag it up and down, eventually it lands in Los Angeles. Okay. We don't have to rejoice at all the zigzagging, right? But we do, we should rejoice that in the bigger picture, the ultimate goal was accomplished, right? And the ultimate goal was Norfolk to Los Angeles. The ultimate goal, Paul is saying, and what his life was all about was the gospel message and for folks to understand the reason that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Now, that doesn't mean we don't discuss the other issues, right? It just means that we keep them in perspective and we keep them in proper, proper biblical perspective. And so what helps us with that? Well, remembering what's essential, right? The content of their preaching was identical. It was the gospel. So you're saying, Pastor, that I can turn on my TV this Sunday morning and find anybody who's out there preaching and say, wow, that's, I, I should be rejoicing in this. No, <laughs> because the content of their message is not identical. If somebody's preaching a false gospel, don't believe what they say. Don't rejoice at their preaching. Point it out and call it out. Somebody's preaching a different mode of baptism. Okay, we disagree on that, right? But I'm still rejoicing when they preach the gospel. Somebody's playing a song I don't like in, in the music part. Okay, I, I may not like it. Right? Might not be what I like. But if they're preaching the same message in the gospel, I'm rejoicing at that part. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. We've got to keep the big picture in mind. Paul understood the big picture. Right? And there, there are a lot of times that as churches, we can miss the big picture. Right? And it doesn't mean we all have to get together for every service. It doesn't have to mean that we all have to get together for the baptism service if we do things differently. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means that we do rejoice when the gospel goes out. And we keep our differences in perspective in light of the word of God. Paul understood that. We've got to apply that and do it as we seek to carry things out as well. Message was titled, Picking Teams. They were picking Right? They were deciding, I'm with Paul, I'm against Paul, I don't like him, we're going to grow our group, they're not going to grow, all of those things, right? Christianity became about picking sides. Paul said, no, it's not that. It's about the gospel. And let's rejoice as it goes forth and have joy in that. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is so clear on these things. And Lord, we are so quick to find fault in others 
and to think we've got everything figured out. Father, help us to be charitable toward others, to demonstrate love. Father, help us to keep the big picture in focus. Father, we ask that even where there are differences and and important differences, Lord, you would give us the nuance and perspective in our thoughts to, to know and be able to distinguish between what's most important and what's less important. Father, we, we pray that you would help us to rejoice at the gospel going forth. Even when wrong motives are behind it, Father, may we not rejoice at wrong motives, but we, may we rejoice that the gospel is going forth. Father, we pray that we would have a perspective that's more like Paul's. Father, frankly, that's less like sometimes we have in our churches today. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom in these areas to know what is essential, what is not. Father, that you would give us wisdom even in the areas that are less important to know what is biblically correct and true. And to, to seek to honor you even in those choices. Father, where we disagree, may we still be charitable. Father, we're, we are grateful for the word of God. We are not left dangling without answers in the midst of turbulent times, but rather, uh, Father, you have instructed us and taught us. We pray that we would take all of these things to heart. In Jesus' name, amen.